Hello and welcome to a special edition of the In The Money Players podcast. This is for the two-day pick six happening on Friday, August 4th and Saturday, August 5th, mostly on Saturday, August 5th. And to talk about it with me, we have in a horse playing legend. And, uh, you know, you, I'd read the resume, but the video would get too long and I'd, I'd get in trouble from uh, from YouTube. So we're not going to do that. We're just going to say hello and it's wonderful to have you here, Stephen Crest. Thank you, Pete. Very kind. <laughs> so elephant in the room to start this off um it's not looking very pleasant here in saratoga springs do we think what is your best guess if we're going to have this first race in this sequence on the turf or on the dirt oh i i think it'll stay on the grass uh i mean i i don't see any more rain in the forecast they did decide to leave the two stakes on today they took the four other grass races off uh but it's it's going to be interesting to see i mean you, you do have one grass race before you have the saratoga oaks as the seventh uh i guess it's possible if it's a complete bog the riders would come back and say no but uh i i think they'll keep these two races on and you'll get a little preview of the turf and it's important how soft it is uh because you do have a lot of european influences in these races and the euros do tend to move up on soft courses well, what numbers will be on your ticket to start this two-day pick six? Well, let me just say at first that I can only play this pick six lightly because I have a horse in leg two. Uh, Thin White Duke is is running against Caravelle tomorrow uh, in, in the Troy. So I have to single him. Uh, he's going to be 20 to one. I'm going to put in a fun ticket, one ticket for under $100 with three singles uh, and three spreads see what happens i love the approach and right the, the rules of racing being what they are no choice but to uh but to play it that way um and thin white duke always a tough competitor and gosh you get a single in at 20 to one you talk about a separator that's a heck of one yeah that's i mean that's look it's the only way i can play anyway i do like two other horses on saturday that i'm comfortable singling uh and maybe i can get lucky in the spread races you know it's funny there's not a pick five tomorrow on the five stakes races. So this is kind of the only way to play that pick five, if that's what you wanted to play. And if you can get alive in the, this first leg, although I think it's the most treacherous race in the sequence, uh, you know, then you got a shot tomorrow if things are somewhat more orderly. How spready will you get as far as kicking this thing off? Uh, I, I kind of have seven of the 10 horses open to win the race. Uh, and I, uh, well, I'm sorry, nine horses now because Nagarok uh, is out. He was never really intended to be running here. Uh, but but I'm, I'm going to use most of them. I mean, my my A's uh, in this race are the one, eight and ten. Uh, names are more than looks and the Euro Mysterious Knight and Carl Spackler. Um but, you know, those are three horses. I don't trust a single one of them. I think on their best days, they're the best horses. But then you've got a couple of recent Chad graduates. You've got a, another Euro. I think this is the race where you want to try to get a $20 horse in. I like the sound of that. Who will you not be using? I guess that's the easier way of saying it. Uh, that is. Uh, I will not be using General Jim. Uh, I don't think he's impossible. Uh, but I, I just don't think he's proven himself to be of, of this caliber on the grass. I'm not crazy about a praise, although he won for Chad Brown off a long layoff. 
He's stepping up in distance and class in a big way. And I don't see Batflip, who's been off for, you know, 10 months and wasn't that fast to begin with. But the others, they'll be in there somewhere. I like I like this approach. Let's go to Saturday where we do have much better weather expected and uh, hopefully just a great day of racing for this Whitney day. And this is an important wager they put in for the exact reason that Steve said, if you, you do not have the pick five on the, we do not have an all stakes pick five. So th- this is the way to approach those races. What, do, where will you be uh, going? Well, we talked a little bit about, uh, we talked a little bit about your race, um, the Troy. So in terms, I'll just ask you as an owner, um, you know, how, how do you feel taking on a runner like Caravel? Do you feel like she is vulnerable? I think that she's vulnerable because there is another big speed horse in the race in Nobles. And I think it's possible, you know, we, we got lucky last year and almost won this race with Din White Duke at 30 to 1. You know, we were beaten two next by Golden Pal. Obviously, it wasn't Golden Pal's best day. But if Caravelle and Nobles hook up, I think we're the best closer in the race. So, you know, we may be the third best at best horse in the race, but we'll be coming. And if there's a duel, you never know what could happen. What do you think about uh, some cut in the turf for Thin White Duke? Looking at some of the other off-turf efforts, there were other excuses there. I, I wouldn't be ready to say this is a horse that can't handle cut in the ground. How do you view it? Yeah, you know, we, we don't know either as, as owners. I mean, yes, his very best races have been on hard courses where, you know, the old uh, he could hear his feet rattle. But, uh, you know, he handles just about everything that, that you throw at him. And, you know, hard or soft, when you get pace in front of you with a, a little closer like this, uh, they can easily outrun their odds. I love the sound of it. Um, if you were advising someone else in playing the pick six, would you think taking the stand against Caravel here was the right move anyway, or would she be prominent in your plans if you were able to make such a wager? Oh, no. I mean, if I if I were playing this thing and didn't have a horse involved, she'd absolutely be an A. I, I mean, she's, you know, multiple great group one winner defending Breeders' Cup. Right now, you'd have to call her by far the best turf sprinter in America. But, you know, that, that doesn't mean that if she gets hooked, you can't beat her. Strange things happen. That's for sure. Let's talk about the seventh race on the card, which is the lure stakes. We're going a mile and a 16th here with a field of nine uh, searching for what might be a race where you're going to, uh, going to get skinny. It would be a bold race to get skinny. I would say, I guess it might, might be a little bold because it's a competitive race on paper, but I really like a horse in this race. And that's number five speaking scout. You talk about a horse fitting the conditions of a race. You know, the lures for horses who haven't won a graded race this year. Okay, this horse won a grade one in December. And, you know, since then, he's been running against, you know, tough older horses. He's rounding back to his best form. Uh, you know, and just look where he's been running. I mean, he after winning the Hollywood Derby, uh, you know, he, he ran in the Pegasus. He ran in the grade one Maker's Mile. Uh, he didn't have ideal trips and a couple of grade threes after that. I, I just think he has a massive class edge on this field uh, that he's getting back to his best race. And, you know, again, on a somewhat whimsical ticket, I'm willing to single him and take my chances. 
I like the sound of it. And that was a good race last time for sure. Moving into the fastest part of that race, not getting beat much. And I like that idea that you put forth that this is a horse rounding back into his best form. And he's scored at, uh, at prices before. And I think he'll get four to one, you know, as, and, and that's a terrific opportunity to, to single in a spot like this. Cause there are some other number, there are some other runners with numbers that certainly fit, but uh, I think that's a, a very compelling case for another horse who's, probably the best closer and might have a class edge there. Let's talk about the test grade one for these three-year-old fillies going seven furlongs. Uh, Maple Leaf Mel has been uh, a, a hot order for this race in terms of people talking about it. Faces a very serious foe in pretty mischievous. Is it, uh, is it a match between those two or can we, can we pull in something uh, maybe at a bigger number? I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm against Maple Leaf Mel and, and, you feel a little silly saying that. I mean, what's what's she done wrong? She's undefeated. You know, every race is, is better than the previous one. Uh, but I, I do think that with money's gold in the race, you know, Maple Leaf Bell's not cruising to the lead in here. Uh, I don't I don't see how those two outside horses can avoid hooking up. So I'm going to play against the two of them, hope for a duel, hope it's one of those tests where, you know, the speed starts going sideways after six, six and a half furlongs. And, you know, to me, there are three horses who can then win the race if that happens. Those being Pretty Mischievous, Interpolate, and Darth Vader. And I think Interpolate, <clears throat> who's 15 to 1 on the line, really may get overlooked. You know, in the victory ride last time where, where Maple Leaf Mel, you know, led and won all the way. I mean, in Interpolate... Bobbled coming out of the gate, was hopelessly far back. Speed didn't materialize other than the winner up front. So to me, you draw a line through that race. Her other races are good enough to be competitive here. She's going to be a giant price. So I'm, I'm using her and I'll probably, you know, bet the race keying around her separately. Could be some fantastic value, 15 to 1 on the line. And you might get all of that, honestly, just because there's so many others who have to take money. At what price would you be happy keying Interpolate? Considerably lower than 15, I'm guessing. Uh, I'd, I'd be happy at 8. Um, yeah. and, and I think I'm going to get better than 8. Now, you know, I, I don't want to uh, disrespect Pretty Mischievous. I mean, you're talking about the Kentucky Oaks and Acorn winner, and she wins the test. She's, you know, getting close to locking up the three-year-old championship. And I do think she will benefit from a possible duel between those two outside horses. Definitely. My quick reckoning of the race, I was thinking she was going to be awfully tough to down for the pace scenario, but I love the creative case on Interpolate in there as well. Race number nine is the grade one Saratoga Derby for these three-year-olds going a mile and three sixteenths. An interesting mix of uh, competitors from uh, who have form from overseas and domestically. And, you know, the big names of the division are turning up here in, in the form of uh, in the form of uh, Far Bridge and Web Slinger. Is this, a, is this a spready one or is this a getting arrow? No, this is a, a very spready one. Uh, I, I think, obviously, I mean, the, the two favorites who you mentioned, Farbridge and Web Slinger, they're about an inch apart. I mean, if I had to prefer one, I'd, I'd prefer Farbridge because I think he had a trip the day that Web Slinger beat him at Churchill. But they're very close together in ability. And then you've got other horses you, you really have to look at. I mean, program trading has done nothing wrong. And he's only run twice and, and uh, you know, run a figure of 94 in your second career start. 
you, you might be a very, very serious horse. And, and then you've got a couple of Euros who, you know, on their time form ratings don't exactly look like killers. But I don't think that, uh, you know, American turf horses are terribly good. Uh, and I think that there's a chance that one of these seemingly overmatched Euros, you know, could jump up and, and join. So I, I am going to go deep in this race and, and use six of them. Uh, name check the rest of them for me beyond the five, six, and the two. Uh, I don't think Mondego is impossible to wire the field. And I think the two Euros, the franchise uh, and Lion of War, again, they can just sprout wings when they come over here and run against inferior horses. They don't look great on paper, but I'm going to protect with them. I think that's a very wise approach, especially Lion of War coming out of that tough handicap at, at Ascot. I think that's form that could stack up well against our domestic horses more than more than some might think. And eight to one would be a fair price, I think, on, on yes, Lion it would. Yeah, I love the idea of having that one in the mix. And that brings us to the Whitney. The, the pay leg of this thing and one of the great stories of racing of recent times with Cody's wish. And it might get even greater if he goes ahead and wins in this spot. He's one to two on the line to do so. The bet I've advised to our English and Irish uh, viewers and listeners is to maybe think about that seven to one for the Breeders' Cup Classic ahead of this race rather than taking the one to two in this spot. Can Cody's wish be beaten here? I, I tried. I looked at the race a long time and I, you know, like to be a smart aleck and uh, I can't. I, I mean, he just is better than these horses. I mean, you know, three of his five opponents are horses that he, he just trounced in the Met Mile. The other two don't even look as good as those horses. Um, yes, he's doing something new in going two turns, but I mean, if the Met Mile had been another eighth of a mile, he, he, he would have won by 12. <laughs> I mean, he's just better than these horses. I don't think the two turns is going to trip him up. If he scratched, you know, I, I would revert back to Zandon and, and White Barrio. The problem with Last Samurai is he doesn't have a race in his life outside of Oakland Park that's good. He has races at Oakland that are terrific. But he's never run well enough outside of there. You know, charge it, I just don't trust. I mean, he's a horse with if he gets everything his own way, you know, he's super impressive. But I, I don't see him beating these horses going a mile and an eighth. Uh, so, I, I, you know, to me, Cody's wish is a legitimate one to two shot. And what do you think of his prospects going forward? Do you see any reason why, if he wins this impressively, he can't carry that speed a little bit further for a race like the Breeders' Cup Classic? I really don't see why not. Uh, you know, my opinion is that this year's three-year-olds are not a very special group. I don't expect them to be competitive with the very best older horses. And Cody's wish is the very best of the, you know, the best older horses right now. So... Uh, I, I think your idea about seven to one now for the classic is a very good one because if he romps here and then, you know, probably one more prep, he, he could be two to one in the classic. 
I tend to agree. It's going to be fun to see it all play out. Really appreciate you, Steve, especially with the scheduling uh, mess up I made uh, coming through, as always, with fantastic thoughts that uh, I think a lot of people will be, you know, making a variation on the theme and, and following your approach to this one. Great stuff. We'll have you back again soon uh, for Travers, if not before. Always a pleasure. Godspeed to you and to Thin White Duke, and we'll be talking soon. Thanks, Pete. Enjoy it as always.